going on, only playbook fans? We're back for another episode. I'm Sweetcar. I got Shashovit week 10 preview here. Make or break week for a lot of people vying for playoff positioning or me just playing spoiler. So I have a new sense of motivation. If you listen to my last episode, I am more motivated than ever this week to pick up my first W. Uh, but just ironically enough, I happen to be playing Chauvet. So there's no correlation to me trying my hardest this week at all whatsoever. Uh, how are you guys sure. doing uh, as week 10 officially kicks off here in about two hours? Just getting ready for some, uh, Thursday night football. And uh, I'm sorry, man, but this week is not going to be the win that you get the W. Maybe next week, but uh, you know, I've got enough players that I feel very confident about. Sorry to burst the bubble there. No, yeah, we've, I, heard, we've heard these stories before about how confident you guys are yeah. about your players. And I don't think it takes nine weeks of me losing 0 and 9 to finally burst my bubble. My bubble's been burst. I'm pretty much as low as I could possibly be. So you, there's nothing you could say that would make me feel any worse about my team than I already do. And so seeing positive in, in, uh, injury trajectories for my star running back, number one overall pick, and Debo Samuel trends my team in, the, in a better direction than it has been the last couple of weeks. So uh, we'll jump into all of the action. Let's kick things off with water cooler talk. The Packers decimated with everything. Their team just sucks. They need all the help they can get. So what are they doing? They're taking flyers on former first round draft picks. The Raiders cut Jonathan Abrams safety, who was drafted in the first round in 2019, really, really struggled with injuries and just basically in every aspect of his game, couldn't cover and couldn't stop the run. So that's pretty bad. Uh, but the Packers said, you know what? We're in shambles. We need all the help we can get. And we are dropping like flies in terms of injuries as well. So they claim this former first round safety, hoping to have him resurge his career with the green and yellow. I have not been doing a good job of watching hard knocks. I don't know why I haven't. You would think somebody as avid of a football fan as myself would be just hooked to hard knocks, but I did see the clip of Buda Baker. Did you guys catch that clip of Buda Baker trying to yeah. corral his team and do his best I mean, Jamal Williams impression? Yeah, doing his best Dan Campbell and Jamal Williams impression of like borderline crying. And um, I mean, dude, if I'm in that locker room, I kind of want to cry because that team sucks and everybody sucks and nobody really seems to care. And every week you see clips of Kyler Murray just getting into it with a different player on the sideline. Did you guys see the uh, Murray and Hopkins exchange? And so yeah, I wish we could hear more Murray, though, not as much Hopkins. But um, yeah, I really wanted to know what Murray's saying. I, I think he said sound it sounded like he said, I'm the best to do it or something. I'll get it to you. I'm the best to do it. And I don't know yeah. about that claim. Yeah. I mean, again, if if there's one person you need to be keeping happy as Kyler Murray, it's DeAndre Hopkins. Because the minute Hopkins says, fuck you, Kyler, like, I mean, who's got your back at that point? Nobody. If it's only Cliff, Cliff's not <laughs> Cliff's on the hot seat pretty quickly here. So uh, they could be a package deal and just get completely traded quarterback and coach if that's the first time that's ever happened. Uh, but yeah, you don't definitely don't want to be on uh, DeAndre Hopkins' bad side. That's probably the one guy you need to try to corral to stay on your side. So I don't know what Kyler's doing, maybe playing a little bit too much COD. Micah Parsons is recruiting Odell Beckham Jr., as is the rest of the league, but he did straight up reach out to him and said, help us get to the Super Bowl, as if a player that just gets to the Super Bowl one year is an automatic guarantee that your team is going to make it. Uh, but he does have some aspirations. They definitely need help on the offensive side. CeeDee Lamb has been a disappointment, so I think they you know, could use some pass catchers. So uh, the OBJ recruitment is officially underway. It looks like I think Cowboys, 49ers, and Bills were the last three teams that I saw in the mix. So uh, we'll see where he decides to go as a 49er. Debo Samuel owner, or if you're a CMC owner, you probably don't want him to go there just because you don't want to lose target share to somebody who is just the allure. We don't know if the production's actually there, but just the fact that it's OBJ, sometimes players will feel like they have to force feed him the ball because he's OBJ. And so you don't want that negative chemistry energy coming to your squad. Dallas seems like the perfect place for him because they got no chemistry and they're kind of all over the place. And it seems like something Jerry Jones would do. So uh, stay tuned for OBJ sweepstakes. Uh, and then the last thing we typically talk about injuries, there's usually a plethora of injuries, but we're recording on Thursday. So it just doesn't make sense to put out a slew of injuries for limited practice if they're going to be full participants tomorrow. So please follow us on Twitter at only playbook, turn your notifications on. We will tweet out all of the latest injury updates uh, tomorrow and Saturday heading into Sunday. That's it. Quick water cooler talk. Hopefully you guys got refreshed. Let's jump into the rundown. 
Four teams on buys this week, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals, the New England Patriots, and the New York Jets. So uh, again, bye weeks have started to surface and more so than not. So make sure you are adjusting your lineups accordingly. Uh, That kicks us off with the first game on Sunday. The Seattle Seahawks are traveling to Germany as are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First NFL game, I believe, ever played in Germany. Bucks and Seahawks, Tampa Bay in this neutral site, favored by three points over under 44 and a half. Uh, Just funny, every week we see a Seattle Seahawks game, every week we see the line, and every week they're underdogs and just completely disrespected. They are the better team on paper. They've been the better team all year, but that last drive from Tampa Tom and that motive, that that I guess, you know, momentum heading into this week seems like that's what Vegas is carrying forward, assuming that Tampa Bay should be the favorites here. Uh, it's interesting because Seattle actually matches up really, really well against Tampa Bay. Geno's continued to prove doubters wrong and inspire. Uh, Seattle's defense has been really, really good the last four weeks after starting the season really poor. Uh, it's funny because the reason they've been so good is three of their rookie draft picks, uh, Charles Cross, Tariq Woolen, and I think Adolfo my. Uh, there's another linebacker. I forget his name. Uh, but those three guys who are all draft draftees because of the trade for Russell Wilson have become immediate impact players. And again, Seattle's turn around that defense and the Bucks D the Bucks D is pretty good too. They're fourth against running backs and Seattle's biggest weapon is Kenneth Walker. Uh, obviously he's still a must start, but there is something to not like because the matchup isn't ideal. Uh, if you're on the Seattle side though, with Tampa Bay, if you're assuming that this is going to be a high scoring game because Seattle's offense or defense is going to give up points to Tampa Bay, you're probably going to start everybody on the Seattle side. Gino's a good streamer at this point. I think it's, it's a disservice to even call him a streaming option. I mean, he's a top 10 quarterback, so, uh, you're probably starting him again because the quarterback position is so hit or miss. Um, Ken Walker, obviously must start. And if Gino Smith is as consistent as it's been all season, throwing two touchdown passes, a game, you're probably pretty confident starting Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So uh, I think, again, the matchup isn't great. Tampa Bay's defense is supposed to be better, but I'm expecting points to be scored. So I feel pretty confident starting those guys. Um, Tom Brady, uh, hes I don't think he's thrown for two touchdown passes all year, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe the last five weeks he's thrown for like 1-1-0-0-1. So he's yet to throw two touchdown passes over the course of the last five, six weeks. I'm probably not starting him. There's better options with higher upside. Again, you could have a quarterback that sucks throwing the ball, but as long as they run for 60 to 70 yards, you're almost matching the floor of Tom Brady's fantasy points. So uh, makes him a tough start. Leonard Fournette, shove it. I mean, you know, the matchup is, isn't the worst. So you're probably still starting him despite kind of tempering your own expectations of what you're probably going to get from him, but nothing has indicated that Rashad white deserves the start in fantasy over Leonard Fournette, at least not yet in my opinion. Uh, and then the receivers, I mean, what can you do? You got to start Evans. You probably got to start Godwin. Godwin's stats are insane, man. He has, I think the most amount of targets or receptions this year without scoring a single touchdown. So we are expecting that hopefully at some point to regress to the mean and touchdowns should start coming. Uh, But that again, again, all comes with the offense of Tampa Bay, the passing game that has not been there all year. Uh, And then the one, you know, dark horse, the guy that has caught a touchdown, caught a touchdown last week, Kate Otten. Cameron Bray did come back to practice, but I think with the concussion seriousness of the league this year, I don't know that Cameron Bray's going to play. And even if he does play, I think Kate Otten's already shown enough that uh, he's worth the flyer as a tight end at the tight end position. And Seattle, I believe is one of the worst against tight ends. So that makes him an even better option. So uh, that's all I got for that game. Uh, Three point spread. Uh, I don't know if I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid of the last final drive as well, but I think Tampa Bay is going to make a little bit of a run here in the next three to four weeks. They have to. They cannot afford to not to. Um, a fun fact, Tom Brady, um, I think he's 4-0 in international games. Not sure. I think it's just, I don't know where exactly he played, but uh, he has been undefeated when the uh, people are watching. He's one of those guys. Yeah, makes sense. He's got the moxie. All right, 7-1 versus 6-2. Leslie Frazier versus Minnesota. 0-4 Super Bowl teams on both sides. Dick's first game back versus Senor Hefferson. We got Harrison Phillips versus Buffalo. We got Case Keenum revenge game. We got Dalvin Cook versus his brother. I mean, what more storylines do you want? The only other thing that would make this better is if Josh Allen was playing. Minnesota Vikings visit the Bills. Bills are favored by three and a half, but that line just keeps dropping and dropping and dropping. And that leads me to believe Josh Allen is probably not playing in this game. Over under is at 43 and a half. And we are expecting freezing cold conditions and possible snow. Abort mission. Everything I've said good about the Vikings just 
throw it out the window. I had no idea it was going to snow. I know they're an NFC North team, but we are actually, we don't play that well in snow because we've been indoors most of our lives. Um, and it's just, this is an alarming, alarming situation. It changes everything, throws everything off guard. They get to practice in that condition pretty much all the time. And here come the Minnesota Vikings with Kirk Cousins. And I just, I'm not sure. This is cold. This is snowy. Um, some things have to be tempered here. So we're going to talk a little bit about all that. Um, Bills are top five in points scored and yards, passing yards, passing touchdowns. Uh, as you can see, I did not mention much running stuff. So if the Vikings can kind of force Case Keenum to not throw the ball well, this game is very much, very much within reach. I think we talked about last game. I'm not afraid of, um, you know, I'm not afraid of Case Keenum. The only thing that the Bills really, um, the energy that drives the Bills is Josh Allen and his significant handshakes with all of his teammates. They don't have that anymore. It's Case Keenum. He's just an average dude. Just an average dude. You need a really good team, really good defense to drive Case Keenum's success, kind of like Kirk Cousins' side, but he's nowhere close. Um, key stat. Key stat here that we need to talk about. Um, time of possession, the Bills are 25th. Okay? That makes sense, right? Uh, Josh Allen just drives the ball down the field. Just That's how they have their success. They're not going to be doing that. Case Keenum is not going to drive, throw 60-yard bombs. He just, it, this, that's not what's going to happen. It's just not. Um, so Keenum will have to, they're going to have to adjust the game plan more to Keenum's uh, abilities. And that means slowing the clock down a little bit more than they're used to. What does that mean? I mean, that's going to throw off a lot of things. They're not, the defense is is going to have to um, adjust to this type of the lull, that the, all their highs they get off of this is off of all those big play abilities. I mean, you might not think that matters, but it matters. It matters. It matters when your offense sets you up for success, that positive energy. You just look forward to going out there and dominating. They may not be able to do that. They may be doing a lot of punting. Defense is going to have to be, um, you know, trying to keep the game alive at some points, I assume. So, you know, and with their rushing being middle of the pack, um, it's I'm, I'm going on a limb here. When my first game of the week that I'm talking about, I'm going to be starting the Vikings defense. Call me crazy. Call me whatever you want to call it. But right now, as of Thursday at 6.21 p.m., I got the Vikings on my starting lineup for defense. We'll see if that changes in the next couple of days. But right now, I see nothing convincing that I'm afraid of this team when everything on that team is about to shift dramatically. Um, so, you know, it's hard to assess Singletary and Diggs, the two other players you're confidently starting on that team because of what I just mentioned, Singletary is probably going to have to be running a little bit more, uh, which could help him more, but I don't know. This is a, this is a very iffy situation with the snow factor in there. Everything is chaotic. That's why the line is kind of dropping a little bit closer and closer because I'm not sure if one team has such an upper hand over the other team anymore. Um, Diggs, you know, a lot of people drafted him pretty high. I drafted him probably higher than anybody in the history of America with my fourth overall pick. Um, and I'm not convinced I'm going to get him with my usual 20 pit points this week. This, I'm tempering my expectations there. That's what I meant to talk about. Gabe Davis, I know that was a fun story in the beginning of the year with the deep bombs and everything. Um, he's definitely not startable at this game. I would actually temper my expectations the biggest with Gabe Davis, um, unless obvious situations like if you're, you know, if you're down by 17, predicted to lose by 17, stuff like that, then Gabe Davis has to be started. But if you're supposed to win this game, I would look for more um, solid floors uh, for this game. Um, that, that being said, Gabe Davis could easily still get two touchdowns. It's not like he's injured. It's not like other players are, um, coming back that are better than him. He's still got the exact same role. It's just a case Keenum situation. And there won't be those bombs that he is so, um, capable of catching. Bills D is first in points, fourth in yards, third in passing touchdowns allowed, sixth in rushing touchdowns allowed. Um, I, I say all that, but I don't care about any of that because the Vikings are playing, um, pretty well as a unit. So when you play well as a unit, you don't really are you, you don't really have to be afraid of these stats because one thing could pop off over the other and it could still be a successful day. Um, you still deploy all four Vikings because, uh, like I said, you just don't care. You don't care about those stats I just mentioned. Um, everyone is semi matchup proof at this point when we talk about uh, when we're talking about Jefferson um, Thielen for his flex role. Um, and we're talking about Dalvin Cook, um, and now we're talking about Hawkinson. So I think all those guys, you can pretty much start expecting solid floors. Um, and then obviously, boom situations much, much higher with Jefferson and um, Dalvin Cook. 
Um, even Cousins could be an entertainable thought here. Uh, wait until Sunday morning to make that decision, depending on the snow. Um, but, you know, I, I don't I don't really see he, – he's the king of all floors, right? You get one touchdown a game. He's on pace to break the record for most uh, games uh, with touchdowns thrown. So um, you get your solid floor. You, you will definitely get 12 points if you want 12 points minimum. Um, Vikings offense is uh, number one in not any major category, actually, um, in yards and points and touchdowns. Nowhere in the top 10 to be found. But like I said, they're playing as a unit, and that's kind of what you need to beat a team like Buffalo at home in a weird cold snow game. So, uh, you know, this, this this could very well be anyone's game, even though Buffalo is favored. Um, one last stat that I'm going to mention, uh, red zone defensive touchdowns allowed. Um, it, uh, in the NFL since 2015, uh, percentage. So the Vikings were uh, fifth in 2015, 13th, 3rd, 3rd, 2nd, 10th, 15th. So those are all pretty much in the top half of the uh, league. Some of those are in the top five. Some of those are in the top three. So success has been a huge part of Vikings red zone defense. Um, this year, we're 32nd. So seven and one, a lot of that is bend, don't break. I've been saying bend, don't break since like week two. Here's some evidence to prove the bend, don't break philosophy. It's nice. It's good when it works out. But um, it doesn't always, it's not sustainable. And I think it's already been a miracle that we've been able to do this for eight games. Um, but if you're allowing the team like the Bills to get into the red zone, it's not going to end well. So need to improve on that immediately. One last thing I want to add. I know we always run long on Vikings game segments, but through eight games, through eight weeks, the Minnesota Vikings over the last 20 years, these this year's Minnesota Vikings have the lowest margin of victory in wins with teams that are seven and one or better. 22, 20, the 2022 Vikings average margin, margin of victory is seven points. The next best team, 2006 Colts, 7.3. What did they do? They won the Super Bowl. The next team, 2015 Panthers. What did they do? They made the Super Bowl and lost. You know who the number one four team on this list is? The same Broncos that beat the Panthers that year in the Super Bowl. Mm. They won the Super Bowl. Are you seeing a trend here, Chauvin? I see you smirking. What's the trend here? What's the common denominator? All these teams have a history of making it to the dance. It's great to be sitting here at seven and one through eight weeks. Let's finish the season the way this season is meant to be finished. And let's beat the fucking Buffalo Bills because, yeah, we want to beat them at their best with Josh Allen. We can't control the fact that Allen got hurt. So if he's hurt and he doesn't want to play, we should beat the Bills. We should not lose to the Bills if we're a serious Super Bowl contender. Nice. Um, I'm going to have a tough time uh, following that because we're talking about two contenders at Vikings and Bills going to <laughs> Lions at Chicago Bears. Definitely not contenders. Bottom two number one draft pick contenders. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, bottom feeders of the uh, NFL. Chicago is favored by three points over under is 48 and a half. And uh, the Bears have been doing really well on offense, even though uh, they're, they're not, not who getting- we thought they were. They're, they are not who we thought they were. Yeah, we were uh, clowning them all of, you know, even preseason, but now they're playing well. They're playing to Justin Fields' strengths is what they should have been doing all along. Uh, and it's it's working out for them offensively. Defense is a whole nother situation that they need to figure out. Um, both teams uh, on defense are allowing a lot of rushing yards. Bears allow 147.2 rushing yards uh, on the ground and the Lions allow 148.8. So, you know, uh, just probably expect just more rushing uh, on uh, for these two teams. Um, the, the Lions, you know, they, we, at the beginning of the season, our first half of the season, right? Like they were scoring 140 points in the first four games. Since then, only 48 points. So why is that not, you know, with the uh, offense that they have, Jamal Williams, uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, well, they had Hawkinson at that point, um, and then Amon Ray St. Brown is not correlating to touchdowns. And so I expect that to change this week. I think that the Lions will be able to get into the end zone against a lackluster Chicago Bears defense. On fantasy, you're going to hope for the hope for Amon Ray St. Brown to have a breakout game. Uh, you're going to start Swift or Jamar Williams just because of the game script of uh, running the ball because both teams' are, defenses are, are poor at that. Uh, Justin Fields, you know, uh, my shining light and armor. I don't know if that's the way to say it. But anyways, that thing. That's close. That's what he is for me this uh that's what he's been for me the last two weeks. And so hopefully Justin Fields will show up as long as, uh, you know, Detroit's probably going to put a man, a spy on Justin Fields to prevent him from running the ball. I'm sure leagues are not, or teams are not convinced that he could still use, uh, you know, if he has to pass the ball uh, a lot, then he's, you know, you're going to play against that uh, script. So you probably put a spy on him. And, and so let's see if the Lions figure it out. 
Uh, you might want to start Cole Komet on the tight end, a streaming option. Cole Komet has been getting into touchdowns and seeming like a good red zone target for Justin Fields. Um, and then on last but not least, Montgomery versus Herbert. They are both split in carries, but you could roll the dice. You definitely want to start Montgomery. Herbert, you can roll the dice on this game. And, um, you know, with this, the run script that I expect, uh, Herbert, it could be a start for you this week. Um, I'm going to lean a, with the Bears. I just don't think that um, the Lions will be able to overcome the Chicago Bears' offensive attack, and I think that they will be able to Damn. put up points. Yeah, that's uh, something you hear every day. I'm going Lions this game. Actually, I think the Lions kind of figure it out a little bit as far as the passing game goes. I think Amon Ray has a pretty good game, um, and I think that's going to be a problem for Chicago to try to come back. And I think that's when we'll see some mistakes by Justin Fields. He'll get his fantasy numbers, I'm sure. But um, at the end of the day, the Lions still have a pretty good um, offensive line, and that means they're going to score a good amount of points against a really bad Bears team. So I think, uh, you know, this is nothing crazy. Like, we're not talking about two really good teams here, but I think uh, we'll get a pretty good game here, and I think the Lions pull this off. Yeah, yeah. The it, I mean, the Lions are decimated with injuries on the offensive side. So Amandre St. Brown has to get fantasy points. I mean, uh, DeAndre Swift is going to play, but I mean, I'm not as plug and play as you made it sound just because they keep saying he's going to play. They're going to ease him in and he's he's getting like barely any snap count. So it's like, yeah, you're you're starting him because of the name, because of where you drafted him. So you're almost like, why would I bench him? And then the one week he's finally like full go, he goes off and he's sitting on your bench. But I, I worry that this is an injury that's going to linger all season and it's just going to be one of those where jamal williams has like nine eight or nine rushing touchdowns i believe or eight or nine touchdowns already yeah. this year so he's more than capable as the backup and the lines are one in six and one so if they really or whatever one in six so if they really think that swift is the future they're probably going to continue to try to get him healthy so i'm easily plugging in Williams. I mean, Swift, just because of the matchup, if you're desperate, because they have no receivers, they may just have to start lining them up in the slot. Outside of Amandre, I mean, uh, obviously they lost Hawkinson. Josh Reynolds, I don't think practiced today, and he's their number two receiver. Craig Reynolds, the third running back or the backup to Williams with him out is now hurt as well. So they're dropping like flies. So there's really not a lot of places this ball can go, which means Amon Ray is due for like 15 targets this game. And, you know, maybe out of necessity, you're starting Swift. But uh, like Shashot said, even if the Lions win, even if, you know, they make Fields throw the football, now that Fields has unleashed and unlocked his legs, his fantasy floor is foolproof. Like you're, you're starting him without a single concern in the world. Yeah. The Tennessee Titans are hosting the worst offense in the NFL. The Denver Broncos come into town. Tennessee favored by two and a half points. Lowest over under of the season, 36 and a half. Man, how did we get here, Russ? Uh, King Henry is on the rise. He's only getting better. He's only getting healthier. He's only getting older, but he seems to be the Benjamin Button effect. The older he gets, the better he gets. The more he gets used, the better he gets. So uh, if there's one thing that's, you know, obviously as fluid as can be in this game, it's Derrick Henry and you're starting him. Obviously, even, even though Denver's defense is good, it doesn't matter. He's the only startable player on Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill is healthy now. So I'm curious if they're just going to go back to him, which I think they should, or if they roll the dice with Malik Willis, which they probably won't. I think Malik Willis has the opportunity now to be more of a, Hey, we're going to use you in like red zone areas. Like they use like Taysom Hill and stuff where, you know, just the threat of his legs makes that read option a little bit scarier than if Ryan Tannehill Tannehill is doing it right. So if they're smart, they'll try to work and ease Malik Willis in there, but Tannehill should probably start, but doesn't matter. I'm not starting any other receivers. I'm not starting any player on that team outside of uh, King Henry. And honestly, you know, I may start the Tennessee Titans defense. The Broncos offense is so bad. They're so bad and they've shown no signs of improving. I don't think Chase Edmonds is their savior. So they're going to be bad and they're going to continue to be bad unless, you know, over the bye week, they substantially change something or Russell Wilson is no longer a robot. Uh, and the Broncos side running back questions now with Chase Edmonds, it makes that situation even murkier. Before you're like, you know what? I'm going to roll the dice with Gordon or Latavius, hoping that one of those guys falls into the end zone. Now, if Edmonds becomes the official third down back, now even the first and second down carries are being split between these two guys. And it makes this backfield something that I want absolutely no part of. So uh, I'm not touching anybody in the backfield. I think if you're starting any pass catchers on Denver side, Judy has shown more promise than Sutton right now. Sutton shouldn't be on your starting lineup until he shows that he can be productive, which he hasn't been over the last five weeks. And Greg Dolchich. Greg Dolchich is probably the most safest bet on this offense to start in terms of pass catchers, just because it seems like he's got a floor and Russ 
uh, likes to use his uh, safety valve, and Greg Dolchich seems to be that. Uh, I think Tennessee wins this game. I think, you know, maybe the running numbers aren't going to be as nice for Derrick Henry. Uh, maybe it's not going to be as efficient, but he's still going to control the clock, and they're still going to hold on to the football, and Russ and Denver is notorious for going three and out, so their defense is going to be on the field a lot. Absolutely. Melvin Gordon's demise and his downfall is exactly why you don't pay running backs money. 100%. So the next game we have up, Jaguars visiting the Chiefs, the number five offensive leader in yards. Man, this team has been moving the ball like crazy. And I'm not talking about the Chiefs. We're talking about the Jaguars. The Jaguars are number five in offensive yards. We all knew that, right? Coming into this podcast, pretty pretty easy thing to remember. Um, but no, it must. it's nice that they're number five because they run the ball so well and they keep getting those first downs one after another. However, they're visiting the number four uh, leader in yards, and that is the Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs are favored not by nine and a half. Over-under is at 50 and a half. Um, you know, the, the Jags' success has been pretty obvious. It's running the ball. Um uh, there's some days where, you know, people are like, hmm, maybe I should start T-Law against this team. And he gives you some games where he gets you like 16 fantasy points, 18 fantasy points. I think he's done that about four times or five times in the last nine weeks. Um, so some days it is, it makes sense to take that risk. Um, how, and I think this is one of those weeks. I think this is one of those weeks from a, from a sheer desperation standpoint, they're going to have to move the ball. And yes, they can move the ball running the ball, but they're not like the Falcons or the Bears who choose to run the ball, even if they're down by 17 points with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. I think um, they have enough offensive uh, trust in T-Law's arms, even though I don't. Um, and they keep, they, they will be trying to throw this ball. The ball is going to be in the air more than it has been over the last couple of days for the Jaguars, for sure. You just have to do that. Um, some of the more glaring stats, the Jags defense, is 25th in passing touchdowns allowed, um, but number 10 in rush yards allowed. Um, that's all great and all, but when you're 25th in passing touchdowns allowed against probably the greatest quarterback of all time, you're going to have a tough day, and that's why you see lines at nine and a half. Um, the Jaguars are sixth in offensive plays, uh, fourth in rush yards, and third in rushing touchdowns. So their focal point is going to be the same focal point that's been this focal point for the last couple of weeks, and that is run the ball with ETN. They have nine; they're nine in their ninth in red zone touchdowns. So when they do get down there, that's when the Ingram stuff starts happening um, to, to those risk takers. Um, that's a probability this week, probably the highest probability of that being a success over the last ten weeks. Um, that's enough for the Jaguars. I think the only, only other person you would start is Christian Kirk, who, who is probably a solid flex option this week. Um, so go ahead and do that. Don't really think twice about that. If you're trying to start, um, you know, comparable players like himself um, this week, I would just roll the dice and go with Christian Kirk. Um, it, it's not really much of a roll the dice situation at this point. He's a number one wide receiver on that team. So yeah, go ahead and start him. Um, on the Chiefs end, there's really not much to talk about. It's the same story. It's the same. It's like the Vikings situation. Um, you start the same player as you start and you don't think about it, right? Um, there are some holes here. Um, no running backs can be trusted on this offense. It's like, have you guys remember the diagram, the Vin diagram, right? You have Pacheco starting, um, starting running back, getting all the early down stuff. Um, and then you have McKinnon getting all the passing work. And then you have CEH in the middle, just like vulturing a little bit of everything. So in this case, you don't go with the CEH route. Um, that's the least lucrative route unless they're up by a lot uh, later in the game and they don't want to hurt their uh, young rookie and they just give uh, CEH all those uh, carries. That's the that's the best case scenario for CEH here. Um, and then in the goal line situation, you never know what the Chiefs are going to do. So that's a just a toss up of what's going to happen. Um, but, you know, according to the game script, Pacheco should have a better game than these other two because uh, it's the Jaguars, right? The, we, we suspect the Chiefs are going to have a good game. That means they, they want to see Pacheco used a little bit more because they haven't been able to. They've been in a lot of close games, believe it or not, since Pacheco became the starter. Um, so he hasn't had those games where he got like 15 touches or 12 touches. And he's one of those ETN players. He's one of those guys. It's like they have one of those weapons right there. They just don't have to use them. And I think they would like to use them if the um, situation is open. And I think this game will be the um, Pacheco breakout fantasy game as far as, you know, getting the most points he's had so far in fantasy. Chiefs all day. Do you start Juju? Yeah, you, my bad. I should have mentioned Juju. I just uh, went straight to the running backs. But yeah, you start Juju. I think you start Juju every week. Uh, solid floor. You know, he'll get those targets. Next next guy to get um, 
significant targets after Travis Kelsey, and we all love that stat. Um, Hardman has been an entertaining thought. I talked a little bit about him last week. Uh, he's got abdominal strain. Not sure how serious, but he's missed two days of practice. And quite frankly, they just don't need him. They need him in the long run, so they might try to take a safer approach. I hope they play him and then just don't use him, which is what, what I think is going to happen. Uh, just don't let Riaz know that information. Um, but, um, yeah, th- th- that's the best-case scenario for me, and I think that's what's going to happen. I, I don't see a world where they rule him out because they would have ruled him out already, already if it's an abdominal situation. Um, but the fact that they're kind of waiting, 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 I think I think they're going to just like use them if they need to, but not use them if they don't have to. If he does listen to this podcast, I'll make sure that at the beginning of your segment, I'll start off with some really haram <laughs> shit. So he tries to just fast forward this segment, doesn't listen to it. Uh, and maybe he'll just miss this entire thing. Um, one thing I'll add, if you're in a desperate ass situation like I am, where you have basically no receivers to start, I also entertain the idea of throwing in Zay Jones in there, Marvin Jones Jr. You're playing against the Chiefs. You're going to be down. You're going to have to throw yeah. the football. So uh, desperate times call for desperate measures. So this is the matchup to try to throw in a flyer like those guys, because again, the, you expect expect the chiefs to be winning expect uh the jags to have to throw the football yeah yeah what i saw a tweet the other day and it was kind of um interesting because uh it said that chiefs paid are uh use use their draft picks their top draft picks to get Kadarius tony so they're going to want to utilize him uh, and uh give him more than the two catches that they did last week so Kadarius tony be on the lookout i mean they'll probably try if it works out for him it could be a uh, wide receiver one in chief land yeah, especially with Miko, if Miko is hurt and he doesn't play, then Tony could be the guy that gets those end arounds in the red zone. And mm-hmm. with Miko finding the end zone the last four weeks or whatever, Kadarius could be the benefactor of that. But I'm not, I don't want to be the guy that, you know, has to be like, I told you so and started Kadarius based off of nothing, right? Like he's going to have the one week where he goes off or like the one week, if he's going to be good, that starts off his, you know, I'm good or I, I can be viable. Uh, but I just don't know if I'm going to take the risk this week, knowing that, you know, you, yeah. you're in the midst of a playoff heated race. I'm in the midst of playing spoiler to shove it. So stop trying to get me to start Kadarius Tony. Show it. I see what you're doing. Yeah. You guys got to remember, like I told you, so it doesn't win fantasy games, right? Solid yeah. floors win fantasy games. And there, there's really no benefit of, um, risking that at this point, unless you really have to, like we mentioned, like, uh, I think I mentioned some other player earlier, if you're down by 17, you go ahead and start those kind of players. Kadarius Tony is one of those players. So if you really need to go ahead. Um, but that's, yeah. that's, that's up to you. Just to clarify, I'm not starting Kadarius Tony, but it's someone that you want to, you know, keep. Yeah. If he's on keep your bench, team, for keep sure. him on your bench. If he's in free agency, keep him in free agency. The reason or you're bringing him up so much is because you know he's on my bench and I'm playing against you. Oh, is he, so you, you know that? You're trying had, to get me to start Kadarius Tony. I honestly had no idea, but I will trade you for Kadarius Tony if you want to give him up. Tyreek Hill 2.0. So just give me Tyreek Hill 1.0. I'm straight up. We'll make it. We'll get it done. Done deal. Oh yeah, done deal. Yeah, let's make that. Software update. <laughs> Perfect segue, though, by the way, because we are talking about the next game, which is Browns Browns at Dolphins. Miami is favored by three and a half points over under is 48 and a half. Um, so fantasy wise, you're going to start Tyree Kill 1.0, uh, Jalen Waddle. There's a sp- there's it's a split carry between Moser and Jeff Wilson. And, and, and interestingly enough, in his first game, Jeff Wilson had 52 percent of the share. So um, that may be in trending that may trend upwards um i just want to add something before you move away from uh jeff wilson he had to dive like superman style to get that touchdown to have a good fantasy day so just keep that in mind just everybody just keep that in mind yeah well i mean touchdowns yeah that gets you the points but uh being on the field also uh elevates and gives you a higher chance to get Mm -hmm. points too so you know 52 percent over 48 i mean it's basically 50 50 but it's uh, slim but it's you it's i'm glad you mentioned it because mozart was like 75 percent every single week before they traded for wilson and the first week they got wilson they didn't wait for him to learn the playbook or anything he played more than half the game so that that is relevant for at least fantasy perspective there's no playbook to learn it's the same playbook that, that he's used to. <laughs> Damn, you point. would think that other teams would know how to stop it then. <laughs> We're just borrowing that same playbook. The matchup favors them as well. The uh, the Browns are bottom eight in rushing defense. So if it's a run-heavy script, then, um, you know, Mostert or Wilson, pick pick your poison, I guess, in, in that sense. Uh, on the Browns side, you're going to start Nick Chubb. They are, you know, they're a brute force on the uh, on the ground game. That's what they like to do. That Their running game complements their passing game. So obviously Nick Chubb. Cooper, they're playing against a 23rd pass defense in the Dolphins. So Amari Cooper is a um, uh, is a start for you as well. And David Njoku, he, he's coming back this week. Uh, again, with that 23rd pass defense that uh, the Miami Dolphins are, he's also a solid start um, now 
uh, this week. Um, so the line is favored at three and a half points and the Browns are coming off of a bye week. The, the Dolphins just, they're, they score a lot of points, but the games are always close. Like it's a margin of four points. So uh, their defense I'm, sucks. They're basically their defense sucks. And, and uh, they're they're They find ways to win games because they have obviously, you know, Tua, Waddle Hill. Um, and so I'm staying away from any betting uh, as far as this game goes, the Dolphins defense, you know, they allowed the Bears to have 32 points last game. Um, so, you know, just, just staying away. It's all kind of pointing to the over with a high, um, you know, points per points in this game, but the average at the hard rock ca- cafe, uh, or how hard rock stadium, I guess is 33 points, uh, for uh, total points of 33. So, uh, humid, muggy, wow um area so you know you probably want to shy away from the over under even though i I mean it kind of seems like it you the over would hit but historically it has not yeah i mean uh, again here's another desperation situation i'm talking about you're playing against the dolphins i like the dolphins as a matchup to uh play your weapons right and by weapons you know they're not anything great but a guy that's in my lineup right now donovan peoples jones playing receiver for the Browns. Again, the the reason Miami is such an awesome team this year for a lot of reasons. One of the best reasons is everybody on their offense is startable. And that's because they're all good, but also because their defense is so bad that their offense has to keep scoring. That's why the game last week was a freaking fantasy fest for the Dolphins bears, right? Everybody that's on the field is basically scoring and the Dolphins score quickly. And then they get the ball right back because their defense gives up a quick score. So uh, I'm looking at this matchup on the Brown side uh, Njoku's coming back from injury. I don't know if he'll be completely healthy. I had him in my, in my other league and he'd been doing really, really well for me, but because he got hurt and then the bye week I had to drop him. Uh, so I, I don't know if I'm going to pick him back up and play him, but, um, Donovan Peoples Jones as a second receiver in this offense. Again, if they're going to need to throw the football a lot, if Nick Chubb, isn't going to be able to just run this game away and Miami's a quick scoring offense. So I don't know how quickly the Browns can keep scoring by just running the football. That's another intriguing matchup, just strictly based on matchups. Uh, if you're desperate, obviously, which a lot of people aren't, but you're talking to the number one desperate person, uh, probably in fantasy incoming Saquon career game because he is playing against the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans are the team you play when you want your running back to have a career day. And so the Giants are hosting the Texans this week. Giants at home favored by four and a half points over under 40 and a half. If you've been listening to the pod, I've already gone through a a laundry list of the different uh, points and yards that the Texans defense has given up to opposing running backs. Said the same thing last week when they were playing on Thursday against Miles Sanders for Miles Sanders to have a good game. He found the end zone. I think he had like 80 plus rushing yards. So good day for him. This is the ideal matchup for Saquon Barkley. Obviously he is always a must start but expecting a huge, huge day from him. And the Giants have been good. Their defense has been good, but the one Achilles heel to their defense has been stopping the run. And this is where, again, incoming rookie Marshawn Lynch 2.0, Damian Pierce, also an automatic start. Now, the only thing to keep in mind, he had two different injuries come up this week in practice uh, that have surfaced that has limited him. Uh, I don't know if his uh, situation is making him a game time decision on Sunday. I think he will still play, but again, it's early for injuries. So we will keep you up to date on that. Obviously, if he's not playing, there's going to have to be a running back back there. So all of a sudden, Rex Burkhead becomes intriguing, uh, just has to start because people are dying to start starting running backs. Uh, But other than that, I mean, you could deploy Brandon Cooks if he plays. He's back at practice. He was upset about not getting traded. So he's kind of stuck there for the rest of the year. So all he can do is really produce. And that's really the only guy they have. Uh, But on the Giants side, I mean... The only guy I really like is Wondell Robinson, but because I know the Giants can run the ball very, very successfully against Houston, they may not have to throw the football a ton. And this may make the read option with Danny Dimes a lot more intriguing, which makes Daniel Jones a decent flex option as well. But the one person, the one constant in this game, in my opinion, Saquon Barkley should have a huge, huge game. Uh, Handing out three points to running backs. That's what the Texans defense does. Again, huge night for Saquon. If Pierce plays, he's probably the most... Um, you know, confident player on the Houston Texans side that you start. And then the Giants defense also might be a good streaming option. Again, Houston does nothing to inspire me on their offense. Saints, man, they're going to visit your Steelers. Show it. Saints coming into town to visit the Steelers, but they're favored by one and a half over unders at 40. I don't know what to make of this. It's two teams that have been underperforming um, on multiple levels. Steelers worse than the Saints, obviously. The Saints are actually not doing as bad as they look. Um, they're actually number two in, in yards on offense. Number two. Like, seriously? How? How are they number two in offensive yards? 
it's pretty impressive with literally nobody to throw the ball to and Andy Dalton at helm. They're still finding ways to get yardage. Did this would have been like a? I would have missed this question on a uh, on an exam if if I had to answer who is number two in the league in yards. It's the Saints. Pretty crazy passing yards. They're sixth passing touchdowns. They're sixth rushing yards. They're ninth. Um, really, really hard to understand why this is even true because the way they play football, it makes you want to rip your hair out. Uh, sounds like all they do is throw the ball to Chris Olave and, and sometimes deep bombs or pick your poison randos throughout the year. And somehow, some way, they're making things happen. They're kind of just hanging in there. Uh, they're 29th in points, however. So they, they're moving the ball, which is great, but they're not scoring points. This is why Will Lutz has been in my lineup multiple times in a lot of different leagues. It makes sense. If, if your team's getting a lot of yardage and not scoring touchdowns, you better have their kicker. Um, they're middle of the pack in passing yards allowed, and they're 23rd in rushing yards allowed. And that is where they get destroyed. And you know what that means? Jalen Warren time. Or that. Or that. But I'm thinking it's Najee Harris um, game of the game of the year so far. Um, it just it kind of has to, right? You're coming off of a, a lot of fingers being pointed at you. Uh, did they just have your uh, their bye week too, Steelers? Yeah, yeah coming off of a bye. Um, at home, cold climate, um, and against number 23rd ranked rush defense, right? If you do, if you can't succeed with that, then next week is Jalen Warren time 100%. Just book it. Pick him up right now. If you're anticipating a bad game from Najee Harris, you better have uh, Warren on your team because the report's out. It's been out for the last three days, and it's saying Warren is definitely getting more touches. It's happening. It's already happening, which means this is – your contract day, Najee Harris. Do you want a job in the NFL? Do you want to be Trent Richardson? Because right now you're more Trent Richardson than you are the Najee Harris that we're used to. So this is it. This is it. Back against the wall. Everything goes. Anything goes. Najee Harris is fighting for his job right now. So that being said, if you're going to play this bad and this is all looming, you know, you, you think you would like harness some sort of energy and do some Najee shit. And so uh, you know, that's what I'm kind of banking on. Um, I'm expecting him to have a fairly good day. I'm not nothing crazy like a 26 point day, uh, which, you know, would be pretty impressive. But I think, you know, 17 could happen. This is one of those days where he's fighting for his job, quite frankly. Uh, Steelers D is 29th in passing yards and ninth in rushing yards. So Chris Olave day, I'm just, like sure it's got all these players on his team, unfortunately, but I also have Chris Olave. He's been a superstar um in every aspect he was my early season gotta have him on your team player and he's getting all the all the love because of the lack of uh, other receivers on the team that are even remotely good so um probably stable days from chris olave here on out um camara's got a little bit higher floor than normal um because of the passing work he's going to be getting uh steelers you know uh 32nd in real points 30th in fantasy points on offense 26th in passing yard 29th in rushing yards um, all that means is the defense is going to be on the field more, which means Cal Alvin Kamara is going to be on the field more. Um, Steelers defense, 29th in passing yards, uh, ninth in rushing yards. So the, so the rushing ability to, to stop the rushing is still there. Um, they're still doing a fairly good job. That's why the games are a little bit closer than um, or the, the over-unders are a little bit lower in Steelers games. Um, but they're 29th in passing yards, and a lot of that is just the last couple of weeks. They've been kind of getting destroyed. Um, and I think because of that, everything points towards Alvin Kamara getting a couple of more catches than he's been getting. Um, so typical day for Kamara is what I expect. Uh, on the Steelers' end of who to start, who to not start, um, Pickens, you know, people are forgetting about Pickens. It's just been one bye week, and how dare they just quickly just forget. And I think um, having him on your team, picking him up, he's he's a free agent, again, in a lot of leagues, which is pretty dumb. But um, some other players like Terrence Marshall and them are getting a lot of attention. Recency bias is a thing. And um, just don't forget about Pickens. He's he's a solid, solid football player. I'm not saying the situation is great, but he'll catch anything thrown to you. So um, that being said, um, make sure if he's available, he's no longer available. Deontay Johnson, uh, it's sad to say, but he's kind of, you know, I'm not banking on Deontay Johnson to win me weeks anymore. Um, Najee Harris, we just talked about. So um, that's it as far as Steelers and um, Saints. Anything else besides maybe like a little bit of Taysom Hill sprinkling here and there that you guys would consider starting? No, I no. think you, you've got it all. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I'm just hopeful that coming off the bye week for the Steelers is going to be the X factor here. A little bit more time to learn the playbook. From I'm hoping Jalen Warren got that extra week of reps in, and now he just comes in and starting running back, and Najee Harris is on the bench. Yeah, a lot I mean, of all it takes 
is one like one big play by Warren, and they'll be like, hmm, let's just go with this for now, you know? I so. mean, a lot of uh, beat writers for Steelers are definitely saying that Warren is going to get more targets and or more carries than uh, Najee Harris. If that's just uh, just a, like you said, like to say Fagazi or not? I mean, no, that's I, not I, a Fagazi. That's all over the place. It's not just in a terms writer. of. In terms of whether that will actually happen or not, like oh. I, you know, that's going to be. Uh, it's not. It's here. not. It's not one of those things that you can trick the uh, the opponents with because the opponents will be like, "Yeah, give Najee the ball more. We don't give a shit, right?" So it can't be Fugazi because you're not reverse psychologizing anybody. They're gonna be like, "Oh, you're stupid." So you're still playing Najee, who sucks, uh, or it's the obvious guy. You change it up just to see what Jalen Warren has. So um, I, I think again, it's not like you should start Jalen Warren this week, and it's not like you should bench Najee Harris this week, but. Um, I'm hoping there's a shift. I'm hoping there's a shift for a lot of factors. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have the Colts at Raiders. Vegas is favored by six points over under is 42 and a half. This is the first game with the new head coach, Jeff Saturday, from the seats of ESPN, the seats of Colts land. Um, so this, this should be a, interesting to see how he leads this team. Uh, interesting matchup for the Vegas. Uh, Raiders and Colts is that uh, defensive coordinator Gus Bradley uh, used to be the defensive coordinator for Las Vegas Raiders last week. So he probably knows a thing or two about Derek Carr and his tendencies, giving the Colts a little bit of uh, jolt that they that they desperately need. Um, the Raiders give up a lot of rushing yards. They gave up 168 rushing yards to Travis Etienne last week. So Jonathan Taylor uh, owners are probably excited to start him. Uh, hopefully he's not going to be in a um, what's that called uh, account a snap count you're just uh, hoping all my players that had an injury designation are going to have some snap you're like hopefully Debo's not a snap not every questionable designation warrants snap count Chauvin you just got me all paranoid and shit like oh you may be in a snap count are you sure you're not listening to bend over and they're not legitimate sources and you have to you have me literally going back and be like oh shit did I just get bend over uh, no, I think that was, that was legit. He's, he's, he's playing. He's starting. You're, you're definitely going to put him on your lineup if you have him. Uh, so speaking of fantasy, Jonathan Taylor is probably the only guy from the Colts that I would start. Um, and, you know, you're not starting Michael Pittman um, or Alec Pierce until you see more from. Um, I mean, if there's a game, if there's a game, it's this one. It's the Raiders. They're 32nd in pass defense. It can't get any better than this. That means you're never yeah. starting Michael Pittman again. Are you, are you willing to go down that route? I think. I don't think it's that for sure yet. I think if you're going to start Michael Pittman and you don't have better options, I wouldn't be that afraid. This is like the, the least afraid I'll be starting. That, that sounds fair. Michael Pittman to me has been in now is uh, in the Robert Woods category just because yeah. of Sam Ellinger. So uh, that, yeah, that, God. that worries me a little bit on, on the Raiders side, uh, Devonte Adams, Josh Jacobs, uh, you're definitely going to start. Foster Moreau is a intriguing uh, start here. Uh, and so is Mac Hollins. Um, you know, the Hunter Renfro is down. He's in, he's in the IR. So they've got to get the ball somewhere. Um, and so that, uh, you know, you can, you can stream these guys and expect for the best. Um, so interesting stat, the Colts quarterbacks are sacked at a, on 9.1% of dropbacks, which is the 28th in the league. So only a 9.1% and have allowed the most sacks at 35 uh, so defensive linemen are just finding ways to get to the quarterback. Uh, and the Raiders are last in sacking opposing quarterbacks at 3.1% of dropbacks, nine total. So more stats in favor of the Colts wide receivers. <laughs> they never get sacked. So he's going to have time to throw them all. Well, no, they do. They allow the most sacks. They just, uh, they, but the Raiders yeah. don't sack anybody. <laughs> but they just don't sack anybody. Well, I mean, one of them is going to come yeah. out on top, but which one it yeah. is, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's your money should never be on the Raiders. Have yeah. we learned anything? Your money should never be on the Raiders. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor, man, if there's a week to do it, it's this week, my man. Just, I, my, my, I only will get a victory if John, any, any week, the rest of the year, I will only win if Jonathan Taylor has a good game. So, uh, let's hope he does, or at least I hope he does. The Packers are hosting the Dallas Cowboys at home. Dallas on the road favored by five points over under 43. Uh, weird, weird year, weird world in Packer land this year. Zeke injury for the Cowboys. They're still monitoring him. He's he's practiced limited fashion a couple of days, uh, says they're progressing towards playing. But also, I don't think they necessarily need to rush him because Pollard is so much better. So I could see him sitting an extra week, which means if he does sit, Tony Pollard, automatic start, no questions asked. Um, Aaron Jones, still questionable. 
Uh, on the Packers side, obviously, if he plays, you play him. If he's hurt and doesn't play, that makes A.J. Dillon an automatic start. So uh, two running back situations where they're getting there's a lot of timeshare. And so, you know, as owners of one or the other, you're hoping one of them is out because that means you can fully deploy the other one. Uh, Alan Lazard's probably the only pass catcher on the Packers side right now that I feel comfortable starting just because Dobbs is hurt. Uh, and anybody else is not very reliable. So he is the one guy that I think Rodgers at least trusts. And Rodgers, I don't believe he was at practice the last couple of days either. So I don't know what the status of Aaron Rodgers is. It's probably just because he's sick and tired and doesn't fucking want to play. I don't even think he's really hurt. So I wouldn't be, I, w- I don't blame him with how bad that team is playing. But on the Cowboys side, the Packers defense statistically is still pretty good uh, despite their win loss record. But I, if I'm, if I have Dak, I'm probably starting him. If I have Dalton Schultz, I'm starting him because he has a great connection with Dak. I don't feel as great about CD lamb even though it sucks because he is a guy you drafted pretty high so you're probably forced to start him especially now with the starting quarterback back and i'm actually starting the cowboys defense so i never thought i'd start a defense against aaron Rodgers and the packers but here we are this is a weird and different season uh that pass rush is just too damn good right now and until i can see a offensive line stop them there will be sacks there will be possibles for forced fumbles and sacks and pressure means the opportunity for turnovers and the cowboys defense notorious for that so uh, i feel pretty confident starting the cowboys defense i have zero confidence in anything of green bay i keep giving them a chance to redeem themselves when are they going to go on the run they kind of have to like we talked about tampa bay they have to win right they have no choice well i thought that about green bay last week against the worst team in the league in the detroit line and they put up nine offensive points. So now I have no faith in them. Now I am full on fading Green Bay until they prove me otherwise. So uh, deploy everybody on Dallas. I'm starting Dallas's defense. On the Packers side, Aaron Jones, if he plays, Alan Lazard, probably because you're desperate, AJ Dillon, if Aaron Jones doesn't play, or if, again, bye weeks and you don't have any other options. Yeah, I think you start Cowboys defense all the time, unless you're playing against Mahomes or Allen. Even against the Eagles, I'm playing the Cowboys defense. Yep, I agree. All right, the two defenses I'm never going to play, Cardinals and the Rams play each other. Cardinals visit the Rams. Rams are favored by one and a half. I don't know why. Over-unders at 41. Who leads the leagues in offensive plays? The Cardinals lead the league in offensive plays. Why do they lead the league in offensive plays? You can do your best guess. But what I think is because of all these pick sixes their defense has been getting on like a couple of first play drives, um, and that just means more Kyler Murray has uh, time for the ball. And their defense hasn't been doing so great as far as holding opponents. So um, they're scoring a lot quicker. Um, so, and then Kyler Murray can always extend plays with his feet. So elongated drives. That's why they are number one in um, most offensive plays. Uh, they're number nine in t- time of possession, number 10 in points, uh, number 12 in yards, number 11 in passing yards. So this is all in the top half, top 33% of the league. So the potential is there. It's not like the team is like the Raiders or even like the Packers where they're not moving the ball enough. They're moving the ball. That's not the problem here. The problem is much, much deeper. It's straight up philosophical at this point. There's a lot of fingers being pointed here and there. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but um, it's just, it's a, the potential is there. Just keep in mind, don't give up on these players that I'm about to talk to you about because they move the ball. Uh, defense uh, on the Cardinals side, 32nd in points. God dang, 30th in pass yards, rushing yards is 18th. Um, but why, you know, why would you rush against the Cardinals when they're 32nd in passing? So um, I expect Cooper Cup to do Cooper Cup things. I even expect some people to go ahead and start, you know, Allen Robinson over some of these other uh, more common names that have a tougher matchup. Um, so, uh, you know, it's 32nd in pass defense is no joke guys. Like that's just, that screams fantasy points for receivers. And, um, for that reason, you should pretty, be pretty confident in starting at least, um, Cooper cup with, uh, as your like highest scorer of the week. Um, uh, Deandre Hopkins, Connor, Kyler, and Rondell Moore, all are startable this game. Um, Rams really haven't done much as far as holding anything back on, um, some of the superstars on the other side of the field. Rams offense is 27th in plays, 30th in points, 31st in yards, 23rd in passing yards, 31st in rushing yards. Um, time of possession, they're 10th. So they're holding on to the ball too because of these Cooper Cup slants and Cooper Cup drags and Cooper Cups this and Cooper Cups that. So uh, it's all Cooper Cup. There's really nothing else about this Rams offense I like. There's nowhere else you should really make a point to go towards unless you're forced to. On 12 teams, 14 teams, Allen Robinson will be a good, um, uh, not a good, but a uh, startable option because of the 32nd ranked Cardinals defense. Um, but yeah, again, Jalen Ramsey was absolutely right. I, he, I know he's the way he said things on the uh, post game press conference was that's not how you do it. That's how you make, that's how you make enemies. 
Um, but he's not wrong. He's not wrong. You hold you you stop a team that you know has been, it's a Tom Brady led fourth quarter offense. You, you can only stop that so many times. And when you do that, you the offense has to do something. You can't have a three and out and just put the team put the defense back on the field that quickly. And um, the stats prove it, right? The offense is just piss poor. They're thirty first in yards. They're just like uh, they're all over the place. And the defense is fifth in yards, eleventh in passing yards allowed, third in rushing yards allowed, third, second in rushing touchdowns allowed, and second in red zone touchdowns. So they're stepping up when they need to step up. The offense is doing absolutely nothing, and this is what happens when you have um, the other end of the spectrum. A lot of teams we talk about have good offenses and bad uh, bad defenses, and they're like, oh, well, you know, like that sucks. But when you have a good defense and a bad offense, it's way more chaotic. Yeah, neither team deserves to be favored. They should just have a like neutral line for this game because it's literally a coin toss. Yeah, I would favor the Cardinals a little bit just because they've moved the ball. You know, all the stats point towards uh, no problems moving the ball uh, versus the Rams have some serious issues. Next up, we go to Sunday Night Football where the Chargers are facing the 49ers. 49ers are favored by seven points. The over-under is 45 and a half. The Chargers are facing the number one pass defense in total yards allowed and rushing yards allowed. Um, So it's going to be a very tough matchup for the Chargers to come in here and beat the 49ers who have explosive players on offense. They've got Debo Samuel who's coming back, CMC who's averaging 5.2 rushing yards per carry, and even Brandon Ayuk who just finds ways to get to the the red zone. Ayuk is an interesting start. For me, I'm... uh, you know, debating between Joshua Palmer or Ayuk and Sukar, I talked to you about this outside of the podcast. And uh, I think you've convinced me Joshua Palmer is the start here. He's the wide receiver one, uh, given given that Mike Williams um, is out. And so, you know, and Keenan Allen. So he's going to have to get the ball from Justin Herbert. Uh, Someone has to, they're going to have to throw the football. Yeah. Exactly. So Justin Herbert, Eckler, Palmer are the guys from the Chargers that you're starting. And on the 49ers, like I mentioned, Debo, CMC, Ayuk. Uh, 49ers have just a favorable matchup here here coming from the bye. Chargers barely just beat Atlanta by three points last week. So they should come and, and be able to win this game and defeat the Chargers. Don't forget about Everett. Everett is also a startable option on the Chargers. Yeah, I'd say I'd say the I'd say the weapons are more startable than Herbert right now, just because of the lack of weapons, right? Because the weapons Palmer can have eight for one hundred six, and Herbert can throw one total touchdown, right? And for Palmer, it's a great day or no touchdowns, exactly, exactly. So uh, it's tough with the defense. Um, They did lose Jason Verrett. I don't know if you guys saw that cornerback Jason Verrett uh, tore his Achilles, which. This year, he tore his right Achilles. Last year, he tore his right ACL. Three years ago, he tore his left Achilles. And then five years ago, he tore his left ACL, bro. Like, the dude cannot catch a break. I feel absolutely awful for him. Um, but that's just awful. Towards Achilles in practice yesterday, and he's out for season. So uh, they, they, they've they been we, – we've seen the 49ers, how dominant their defense can be, and a lot of it is started surrounded by Nick Bosa, who should play. Uh, Joey Bosa is trending towards playing too, so we could see a Bosa versus Bosa showdown for the first time in the NFL. That would be cool. Uh, but if Verrett is out and, you know, if the defensive line can't get there, then all of a sudden, like, the 49ers defense is just the name and not actually the product on the field. And so I had 49ers defense, and I saw a huge difference when Bosa played it versus when Bosa didn't play. So uh, that pass rush is key to the defense. And I think right now, uh, as long as the pass rush is there, you're probably starting them even with the name, the Chargers, thinking, oh, my God, wild flying offense. You probably don't want to start defense mm-hmm. again against them. They're not the same right now. They have nobody. They're decimated. They're absolutely decimated. And the defense is also so decimated that it puts the offense behind the eight ball, which then causes the offense to make mistakes, which also helps opposing fantasy defenses. So they're just in a pretty bad situation. I am shocked beyond my core that they're five and three. Kudos to them. Let's end the rundown with Monday night football. The Philadelphia Eagles still undefeated, still searching for that first loss, or are they? Uh, The commanders come into town. Eagles division game favored by 11 points. Wild, over under 44. Uh, I mean, for the Eagles, it's fly, Eagles fly right now. Jalen Hurts, start him and forget him. Miles Sanders, just because they run the football, start him and forget him. A.J. Brown is a monster. The problem is sometimes the game script doesn't go in his favor, but you cannot start him. So you start him and forget him. Dallas Goddard's become one of the most reliable tight ends in the league. Start him and forget him. Eagles defense, we talked about it. You're going against Taylor Heineke, who is due. He absolutely will throw an interception or two. He will probably get sacked a couple of times. He'll probably fumble the football. So uh, that defense is a must start as well. On the commander's side, they're going to be desperate. Uh, the only guy I really like 
believe it or not, how did we get here? Paul Rudd meme is Antonio Gibson because they have to get the football somewhere. And Gibson shows the most promise, both getting the ball in the backfield and catching out of the backfield. So uh, I like him the most in terms of the commander side. You could get desperate and start Terry McLaurin, which is not the worst start just because of his connection with Taylor Heineke. So if you're starting a receiver on that side, Terry McLaurin, if you're just, you know, holding on to a prayer, maybe Curtis Samuel, but McLaurin and Gibson, probably the only startable guys on the other side for the Eagles. Again, all full go full send. I don't like the line being so big. I think the commanders have a chance to play this game a little bit closer. Uh, You know, call me crazy. Eagles probably still win this football game, but give me the commanders plus 11, a lot of points in a divisional game. Upset alert. Heineke about to get some green and white and black shoots. That would look sick on Jays. That's it. That's it for the rundown, guys. Let's jump into our marquee fantasy matchup of the week. We each are going to highlight one player that we think is destined to pop off. These names should not surprise you. We've already probably talked about them in their matchup, so I'll run through mine quickly. Uh, No-brainer for me, Saquon Barkley against the Texans defense. Any running back that is competent against the Texans defense should be the matchup start of the week every week until Houston proves that they can do anything to shut down running backs. Again, I've given you a laundry list of fantasy points that the Texans defense has allowed to opposing running backs, and Saquon but one of the best running backs in the league. So expect nothing less. He is my matchup star or fantasy matchup of the week. My fantasy matchup of the week. Um, typical, typical, um, usual number one player in fantasy of all time. CMC. Um, you guys are probably wondering, oh, well, that's obvious. But yes, but here's the perfect situation. There is no such thing as a perfect situation except for this one. Um, CMC has had two weeks under his belt, and now he's full go as far as the playbook. They're even starting to throw passes with him, catching balls, rushing. The limit does not exist. And now you're facing a Chargers offense who's the bottom of the barrel as far as stopping the run, stopping the pass. They're just bad. They're bad on every level, and they have enough firepower to keep the game alive. So that just means CMC gets used all throughout the game. Those That's the trifecta. That's the trifecta. Bad offense, used high volume, and game script favored. That means you're going to have a successful day. It's as simple as that. So for me, CMC gets start. And if we're not talking about some obvious picks, I think Najee Harris, I mentioned earlier, um, I think he has a pretty good day. Um, not insane day, but I think it's something to talk about because a lot of people are probably just fading him already. And I think um, there is a situation here. Awesome. So my fantasy matchup of the week is Justin Fields versus the Lions. The Lions ranked 32nd in points allowed and yards allowed and have given up the third most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this season. Uh, Fields is just playing lights out. He's able to do it on with his feet, his legs, and he's making key throws and getting touchdowns. So, um, you know, all signs point to Justin Fields having a solid game, probably not 50 points like or 42 points like last week, but certainly uh, the ceiling is high for Justin Fields. Those are the matchups of the week. Pretty obvious names, but the matchups warrant talking about them one more time because the matchups are just so juicy and so exciting. Um, out of those three get guys, who do you think scores the most amount of points and who scores the least amount of points? CMC. Scores the most? Yeah. Damn, that's tough because that means uh, you got paper. Yeah, <laughs> that's how good those matchups are. That's how good those three matchups I'll are. Get, I'll, go, I'll go Fields. It's unfair. I'll go Fields, CMC. Quarterback. Yeah, quarterback, I would assume probably will score most uh, just because he's a running back that's a quarterback. So he has the ball in his hands all the time. So I go Fields and CMC just because now they kind of look at him as a quarterback too. So he's got that triple threat option. So Barkley, step up your game, bro. I need Barkley. I I need Barkley to throw a touchdown pass this week. I'm audibling. I'm going to go Fields, Saquon, then CMC. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Interesting. Just because what the fuck is Saquon going to do? What what is that team going to do? Who's the ball going to go to? It's Saquon. Yeah. Yeah. Last but not least, guys, uh, I told you last week I was going to try my best to reach out to a Raiders fan on social media and just kind of get the lay of the land. And uh, so I forgot. One of my Twitter buddies, his name is Greg. Uh, I don't know how we followed each other. I think it was because of the Lakers back in like 2013. So I've been following this guy on Twitter for like nine years. And I forgot that he's a Raiders fan. And we used to talk shit the year that the Raiders drafted Derek Carr and the Vikings drafted Teddy Bridgewater about who's going to be a better quarterback. Um, And it's funny looking back at it now because, yeah, maybe Derek Carr was the better quarterback, but like, can you really quantify Derek Carr as the better quarterback with the fact that neither of them have done anything? So um, I asked him, I was like, dude, this is what I said. 
I said, I need you to just explain to me what the fuck is going on with the Raiders, man. Only Raiders fan I know, and I just have no idea. And he just said, they just suck, plain and simple, LOL. And I was like, no, tell me more. He's like, and he's a huge Derek Carr guy. So this is probably where the bias comes in. He's like extremely talented quarterback. That's very inconsistent. They have great weapons, but their coaching is awful and their offensive line sucks. And I asked him, you know, what are, what are his thoughts of Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels? And he's like, I like him, but if McDaniels can't figure it out, then there's no point in keeping Derek Carr because he's so expensive. And Carr and Adams have already complained about the coaching, so it's all just a shit show. And, you know, what's funny about that is a lot of times franchises, whenever they're in shambles, they make drastic, dramatic changes, right? Think about where the Raiders were at the beginning of last year. They had Henry Ruggs. John Gruden was their head coach. There's been so much that has gone on from the start of last season with the Raiders to where they're at now that, you know, we talk about so much in sports, but what we, what everybody in sports requires is consistency. We, we use that word a lot and the Raiders can't keep anything consistent. They can't keep ownership consistent. They can't keep the coaches consistent. They can't even keep the players consistent. So um, long story short, I just think, his the way he's viewing the Raiders is exactly how people who aren't Raiders fans are also viewing them. So I don't think even the Raiders themselves have answers for what's going on. And that's the worst place to be, right? Imagine being in a situation where even as fans, like we, we talk about the Vikings every single year, even as pleasure, right? And we always know kind of what the root cause of the problem is or what we can point the finger on. But with the Raiders, they are such a mess that there's nowhere to really point the finger. And I think that's the worst place to be for a franchise because where do you start if you're looking to, you know, cut bait or or move on or or, or change things? And and I think again. What have I said? I honestly think it starts with Derek Carr. Like you, you got a brand new head coach. You've already had three head coaches in the last two years, right? Less than two years with the interim and then the new hire and then John Gruden. So I think the one constant has been Derek Carr and Derek Carr shows flashes of brilliance and then he shows flashes of absolute shittiness. So I think the one constant is Derek Carr. Greg totally echoes that even though he loves Derek Carr, he is not opposed to moving on. So I think that's the shit show that is the Raiders. Uh, thank you for responding to my tweets and interacting. What do you guys have? extremely talented and inconsistent don't go well together that's not it's like an oxymoron it's like an oxymoron (laughs) right and again i think that's where a little bit of his bias a little bit of the fact that he knows him and i talk shit about the quarterbacks from 2015 come in but uh still it's tough to be a raiders fan uh so you know kudos to you for sticking through it but uh that's what we have and you know i kind of want to make this a weekly segment so a team that performs the absolute shittiest i'm going to try to go out on twitter sphere find a fan and just have them say a few words and then we'll we'll share it on the pod so uh thank you so much greg greg at twitter at two wheezy so uh thanks greg for your input on the raiders and their shit show that is all we have week 10 is officially going to kick off here in less than an hour what an amazing game that we get to watch uh show you're going to be at work so actually i'd probably rather be you because this game does not look like it's going to be very fun (laughs) um falcons and what was it falcons and who panthers Panthers. falcons and panthers my god what a (laughs) awful awful thursday night football matchup um but but i know we don't do bets on the podcast anymore i did take one bet this game terrence marshall over two and a half receptions so uh money two and a half seems so low it seemed so so low he's gonna have two touchdowns by the end of the third quarter and they're gonna have to catch up and it's just gonna be terrence marshall because dj DJ Moore is just not going to be the guy. It's going they're, 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 they have a they have a thing going on with Terrence Marshall, and they're going to have to use them. There's just three inevitable. catches. Yeah, three inevitable. catches. Make it happen. Make it happen. That's it, guys. That is another week, another episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great weekend. Hopefully your team wins. Hopefully your fantasy team wins, and hopefully you win a lot of money. On Sweetheart, that's your show. That's your show. We're the only playbook. See you guys next week.